What's up, man? You who? Gary Faulkner. I had so many fantasies about you in high school. I must have gone through about 100 boxes of Kleenex. That is disgusting, but I'll take it. Hello, Gary. God? I've got a favor to ask you, Gary. A favor? I need you to go over to Pakistan and capture Bin Laden for me. Capture Bin Laden? We're talking about a destiny, Gary. Yes! You and Osama Bin Laden. That's crazy. No, I have a lot to do. I'm planning and training. Hey, man, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm pretty sure you can't fail to Pakistan. I'm sailing! Just Pakistan? No, senor. Reason for visits? Taking care of business. So how do you like it here in Pakistan? Pakistan is very, very beautiful. I love America, so we're even. I love America, too. What's this? An American's at loose in the slums of Islamabad. He's searching for Osama bin Laden. He's obsessed. Hello. Damn it. You afraid of anything? Does anything scare you? Your bizarre fantasy that somehow you're James Bond or something. Oh, God damn it! You see that motorcycle? He's gonna lead us to Osama bin Laden. Are you serious? Oh my God! Get in the truck, Gary. Yes, Lord. Don't yes, Lord me. Yes, Lord. I said don't say that. Yes, my Lord. What's this now? What's this? It's not Aladdin. I'm not a genie. Welcome, Al-Qaeda Crips, to my cave. My name is Sama Bin Laden. But this is my homies on the left here. This guy here, he make them white boys tremble, so we just call him Milkshake. Hello, and welcome to The Complete Works, an in-depth look into the career and filmography of Nicolas Cage. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the depths of true cagedom is my friend, co-host, and fellow cageaholic, Mike Scretia. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing pretty good today, Mike. Yes. How are you? I am good. Uh, obviously, this is not a visual medium, but people should know that Mike is now talking without a, a bunch of hair on his face. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to shave my beard, which I had for 10 years, and that's sad, guys. It, it's very, it's surreal watching you on the Skype call. <laughs> the podcast itself will probably not be affected by this, but like... <laughs> you can't hear the difference, is what you're saying? <laughs> Your voice just seems a lot clearer now, I guess, is what it oh, is, right? Oh, okay. That's, that must be what it is, right? Because there's no hair uh-huh, blocking yeah, it. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Mike is beardless now, which is unfortunate, but we must move on. We must persist. Uh, the show must go on. The show must go on. Uh, and the movie we're going to talk about today is loosely based on a true story. Uh, now, Cage has starred in a couple of films that were based or loosely based on true stories uh, in the past, but those tended to veer towards the more dramatic side of things. You know, things yes. like World Trade Center or The Frozen Ground. Uh, but for this kind of true story, there's really nothing they could have done except make this a comedy. <laughs> yes. I think looking into the actual background of this guy, like there's... There was no getting around that. That's because it's based on a certifiable crazy person uh, named Gary Faulkner. Now, you may have seen him on TV around 2010 uh, when he started to get booked on uh, news and entertainment shows and his story got out. There's clips of him on David Letterman and things like that. Basically, Gary Faulkner is a guy who repeatedly traveled to Pakistan armed with only a samurai sword and night vision goggles with one goal in mind, and that goal was to capture and kill Osama bin Laden. (laughs) Uh, you know, like you do, right? That's, yeah. You know, the average uh, person, I think, has done that once or twice. 
there's a very there's a very lengthy uh, GQ profile from around this time that goes into much more detail about Gary Faulkner than we really have time to go into here. Uh, but the important thing to know about the dude is that he's insane. Like he's he's a nut, basically. Yeah. And actually, that GQ profile is kind of what inspired the uh, the making of this movie a few years later. Uh, and when you've got a crazy guy with a heightened sense of purpose, you need an actor to match that. So you need someone like Nicolas Cage, and that's what brings us to 2016's Army of One. Uh, were you aware of this movie before we uh, set to do this movie uh, for the episode, Mike? I think I remember when this came out, but only in that I was aware it was a Nick Cage movie that had come out in 2016 or whatever it was. And we were already doing uh, this podcast, so you were like, alright, we're going to have to do this at some point kind of thing. Yeah. It was like in five years when we get to it. <laughs> or three years. Which, We're catching up, man. We're close. We are getting very, very close. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I was actually very excited about this movie when it came out. It was something I really wanted to see. Uh, and for, and I think I didn't see it because I knew we would eventually get to it on the podcast. Uh, right. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll hold off. But uh, yeah, it's sort of surreal looking at the date this movie was released. Uh, November 4th, 2016. That's about one week before the 2016 presidential election, uh, which arguably puts the character that Cage creates, this this ranting, xenophobic, idiotic, but no less confident moron, uh, into a much different place culturally than it would have been if the film had been released like even a year earlier, uh, which wow. I think is an interesting way to, uh, <laughs> to view the movie. But the comedy pedigree for this movie is solid. The movie was directed by Larry Charles, who was one of the key writers in some of the best episodes of Seinfeld in its first five seasons, uh, and was later known for his work with Sasha Baron Cohen. He was the director of Borat, uh, as well as Bruno and The Dictator and uh, a couple other things there. Uh, and in addition to Cage, you've got a pretty good cast of people lined up for this thing. Cage, of course, plays Gary Faulkner, the guy who's visited by God and then believes he has to capture Osama Bin Laden. God is played by Russell Brand, uh, the comedian who seemed like he was in everything for a couple of years there. Like, remember that like yeah. that span between like 2009 and 2011 where it's like every comedy movie had Russell Brand in it, where he was hosting every award show or whatever, and... You know, I think a lot of people got sick of him very quick. I didn't hate him, but like a lot of people got sick of him really quick. Um, he's probably best known for playing Aldous Snow and forgetting Sarah Marshall and Gay Him to the Greek, which are great <laughs> movies. Uh, Fact. While all this uh, Ben Laden killing stuff is going on, uh, Cage strikes up a romance with Marcy Mitchell, played by Wendy McLendon Kofi, who uh, broke out in Bridesmaids and then became known for playing the mom on the Goldbergs. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I believe that show is still going on today, right? That's a pretty successful show as far as I know. I think so. Yeah. Uh, from there, Cage's two buddies in the movie, Roy and Pickles, are played by uh, Will Sasso and Paul Shear. Uh, Will Sasso is a Mad TV cast member, and Paul Shear was, of course, on The League and uh, is the current host of How Did This Get Made, the podcast which makes fun of bad movies, including several Nicolas Cage movies, uh, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. He's in this movie with Cage. Uh, two FBI agents named uh, Agent Simons and Agent Doss start tracking Cage later on in the movie, and they're played by Rain Wilson from The Office and Dennis O'Hare from American Horror Story. Uh, Adrian Martinez, who also appeared in Kick-Ass, gets a credit as Mysterious Man Number 1, I believe. That's the guy who sells Cage the boat at some point in the movie. I, I oh. think that that's him. Uh, he's also he's also known he I mean these commercials were like ten years ago but he was the discount double check guy in the State Farm commercials yes uh, yep. <laughs> yeah that's the guy uh, and finally in the most unlikely birdie reunion of all time <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Modine appears as Cage's doctor for like one or two scenes uh, Doctor Rose how how shocked were you when Matthew Modine showed up in this movie Mike I was so hyped right? when he came in yes. <laughs> 
and he's only, unfortunately only in it for a very short amount of time but it's just it's been you know Birdie came out in 84 this movie was 2016 32 years later Jesus <laughs> the Birdie reunion we were all waiting for was in this movie where Nicolas Cage tries to hunt down Osama Bin Laden with a samurai sword uh, it's very weird I, I also totally unrelated to Nick Cage but for if we digress to the complete works featuring Matthew Modine for a second sure uh, <laughs> I recently watched uh, Sicario 2 Day of the Soldado or whatever that crazy name is. Yeah. Um, and Matthew Modine shows up for like two scenes in that also. And oh, I was really? like, this is so weird. And then like, you know, within a couple of weeks I watched this, uh, Army of One. And I was like, what the fuck is Matthew? I want Matthew Modine's career where he just like, nah, I'll be in stuff for two yeah. scenes. Remember he was in the Dark Knight, he was in the Dark Knight Rises kind of in the, same, in the same way. He popped up for like three or four scenes in that movie. And it was, yeah. You don't even remember that, do you? You don't even remember that he was I in that I don't. Movie. Yeah. I don't at all. I was just That's looking crazy. at the blank look in your face. Yeah, Matthew Modine is in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, anyway, yeah, Matthew Modine is in this movie. We'll talk about that a little bit later, probably. Uh, Army of One was written by Rajiv Joseph and Scott Rothman, who also wrote uh, Draft Day together with Kevin Costner, uh, which is a movie I actually really like. I liked that movie quite a bit when I saw it. I don't know if you've seen it. I never got around to it. It's, it's actually, it's pretty solid. It's a good movie. Uh, and it was directed by Larry Charles four years after his previous film, which was The Dictator with Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, which I saw in theaters. And uh, I remember kind of liking, I don't know, it's, it's I, I remember basically nothing about that movie. But I remember that Sasha Baron Cohen and Jason Manzoukas were in it together. Actually, the only thing I remember about the movie now is that they always refer to it uh, on Comedy Bang Bang every once in a while as the movie that Jason Manzoukas is in, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> the like one every, movie that he's in. Like, every once in a while, like if he has something to plug, he's like, and yep, I'm still in The Dictator, and <laughs> and move on. Uh, and he directed this uh, three years before his next project, which was a Netflix docuseries produced by the Russo brothers uh, called Larry Charles's Dangerous World of Comedy, in which Larry Charles travels the world looking for humor in the most unusual and unexpected places. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the movie was released through Video On Demand on November 4th, 2016, the same day as the last film we talked about on this podcast, Paul Schrader's Dog Eat Dog. It was a big day for Nick Cage VOD fans. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you were excited. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the IMDb plot synopsis for Army of One reads... After a personal visit by God himself, the eccentric construction worker Gary Faulkner takes the decision to embark on an adventure in the Badlands of Pakistan to bring Al-Qaeda's leader Osama bin Laden to justice. Which I, I appreciate that the plot synopsis for this movie is way more detailed than the plot synopsis for several major movies that came out in 2019. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty great. Uh, Mike, what were your overall thoughts on Army of One? I my overall thoughts on Army of One were that I kind of was fine for like the first half hour, like the joke was real good for that. Yeah, and then I kind of was over it, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, which is pretty sad because it's it's got that one joke going the whole time. Yeah, um, and like you know, it's it's insane, it's goofy, it's off the walls. Like um, it has like you talked about the comedy pedigree, and and like all of it is good for like you know it kind of delivers on all that stuff. It's just the one beat is that Gary Faulkner is bonkers and isn't like totally nuts and it lives in this fantasy land yeah uh, but like that's kind of it and i guess that's fair because like it's a real quote-unquote real story uh which the movie i even love i do love appreciate that intro uh opening scene with like the voiceover by i don't know who it is uh, uh if yeah. you know who does the narration you know i uh it was not on the wikipedia page and i forgot to look it up on imdb but i will uh, i will research that while you're talking Okay. Yeah, but it's definitely somebody that I felt like I've recognized that voice from somewhere. Yes. But, you know, it says this is based on a true story. Well, okay, it's inspired by truth. Okay, there's some truth at one point was involved. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's fine. You know. Yeah, I can get along with that. Yeah, that's fine. And, and it's got goofy stuff going on. I think all the performances are very good. 
Um, but it was just something that was missing for me. I don't know what like what what it was that didn't keep me wrapped up in the comedy story stuff, or, or the whole story was just this one thing, and it just doesn't really go anywhere. I don't know. I don't, it, it felt something was missing for me, and I can't really quite articulate exactly what it was because, like I said, the pieces were there, and I think the the actors and the writing is pretty good, and the performances are great. Uh, it's just something didn't keep me hooked you know i was kind of just like over it after a half an hour or so right and uh that's you know i, I feel sad about that yeah fair enough uh by the way the answer to your question uh, the narrator of this movie was michael yurchak who it looks like he's in broken lizard uh he was in beer fest he was in river uh he was in club dreads slam and salmon all that stuff so i'm guessing yeah super troopers too it looks like he was in so yeah <laughs> Uh, it looks it looks like he's a broken lizard dude, so uh, that, that's probably where you recognize the voice from. Is, that is must be it. Yeah, I'm getting that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I kind of had a similar reaction to you. Uh, I, I think I really enjoyed the first half hour or so of this movie, and I enjoyed it in like bits and spurts. After that, yeah, like, I was having fun with a lot of it. And Cage, I mean, he's on eleven the entire time, and it's pretty wild to watch. Um, but I, I think the the word I would use to describe this movie is exhausting. It's the it's yes, you know, it's the one instance where I'm like, maybe there can be too much crazy Nick Cage. Like, is that <laughs> is such a thing possible? Is that possible? Like, is, like you know, across seventy eight episodes of this show, I've never once had that question in my head. <laughs> yeah, know? like even if something like you know, I love Vampire's Kiss and I love like his performance in Deadfall and all that stuff, but like. This movie, and it's not even like this is his craziest performance. I actually appreciate that it go, it's a different kind of crazy than we usually get from him, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, it's just it's just on that level, on this insanity level, at 11, the entire time. And Nick Cage is in basically every scene of the movie, so you're just constantly yeah. being barraged with that. It's a movie that really wears on you. Uh, so uh, to, that, to that extent, you know, that first half hour or so when you're with this character and he's going nuts and stuff, it's like a blast. And then after that, it's like, I, honestly, I think once, once he gets to Pakistan, that's when the movie like kind of stops dead in his tracks for me. Uh, yes. When he's just in America and like being bumbling idiot and stuff, like I was enjoying that. When he actually succeeds in getting to Pakistan, then that's like the second half of the movie, and it's just not as good as the first half. But at the same time, a lot of the humor of the movie, almost all of the humor from the movie, comes from that performance from Cage. Uh, like there are jokes here and there, and they usually land. Um, but you remove that performance, and the movie just doesn't work. Like period. Like I don't think yeah. it would work at all. Um, I think if you had maybe like 10% less of Cage and focused on a few other characters just to let the audience like breathe for a little bit, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, like want some more of that Cage insanity back. Uh, I think you might've really had something here cause it is just a unique story and it's a fun, it's, it's a fun concept. Uh, as is, I overall enjoyed the movie, uh, but I couldn't help but feel like it should be better than it is. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah. The, and I think one of the things that's, that's odd I guess they have made the choice that all the other people, the supporting cast, just act as if he's normal, right? There's no, like, reaction to him being crazy. Right. We, I don't know if that had something to do with it, but yeah, I don't know. It's very, very odd. And I agree with you that it's it's just, it might just, it might possibly be too much, which is wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you, the, the rest of the cast acting as if he's normal, I, I thought that was interesting because, yes, that's the case, but it, it kind of just felt like... It's, it's weird. I, I think they all realize that he's kind of insane, but he's, generally speaking, a good-hearted person. He's generous. He uh, yes. is, you know, has this relationship with Wendy McClendon Covey and her niece, and, like, you know, he's very good with them, and he's trying to build her a ramp and all that stuff, and he has, like, friends that he hangs out with and all that stuff. And he's, like, a sort of pathetic character, but at the same time, like, a very, like, kind-hearted one, it seems like, and he's on dialysis yeah. and stuff, so people kind of take pity on him. But he's also, you know, just 
one of those guys who's like, you know, America is the best country in the world, and I won't hear any questions about that, and like all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's a lot to deal with with this character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he feels like a character, like a guy that I would probably meet in my real life, and would probably <laughs> and would probably treat in the same. Like if he was somebody that I, that I had known my entire life and was just used to him and his mannerisms, like he was probably somebody that, that I would treat in a similar way, you know. Uh, yeah, all the other characters do, but uh, but I think I think the character the cage creates. I think it's a great character. It's a great premise. Uh, it's just hard to get a handle on what the movie is trying to be a lot of the time because it's just always like constantly turning that dial to eleven and just it, there's it loses focus. I think towards the second half of the movie. But uh, let's talk about Cage's actual performance. What did you think of Nicolas Cage in Army of One? Well, um, wow, mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, first off, uh, we get another entry in the "What the fuck is this voice?" Yeah. Uh, roles. <laughs> I think it's the Valley Girl voice, honestly. Even, see, to me, that was like a little bit of Peggy Sue got married, but mostly G-Force. It was G-Force. <laughs> oh, my God. You're, I forgot about G-Force. You're 100% right. It, it was his G-Force voice, but this time not as a gerbil. It was just him as Cage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think I said Valley Girl, but I think I meant Peggy Sue got married. Oh, okay. Because uh, that's the very nasally one, right? That's the really nasally one that he uses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's another entry in that uh, film series that we've got going, Absolutely. which is fun. Because I think it's been a while since we've had one of those. And yeah, he's just like on 11 the whole time and pure just manic uh, craziness, which is fun. I, I think um, he's. I think Cage is clearly like having a goof with this movie, which is right. like, I'm in. That's fine, man. Like yeah. You do you. Uh, it's a comedy. Everyone seems to be in on the goof, right? right. Um, it's it's pretty impressive, honestly, with the the just like pace at which he talks the whole movie, and yes. he's delivering like really intricate, crazy, uh, in depth dialogue. But like at, at eleven, like we keep saying, just like rapid fire, nonstop, and everyone like cutting everyone off and just keep going. And um, it's pretty like impressive for what this kind of role is you know what i mean right so this movie has some huge huge laughs in it was the real gary faulkner the guy you're playing in this movie as much of a personality as your character in the movie well yes i mean gary is an extreme personality he's somebody um when you meet him you realize very quickly that he uh can't stop talking i mean he goes on and on and on i interviewed him for about three hours and uh, he was very um, committed to his mission. He was very uh, inspired by his calling from God, and he took that very seriously. Uh, he, he went to uh, Pakistan, as you know, to hunt down Osama bin Laden, and he took that seriously. He risked his life. I mean, it was all very um, uh, dangerous and misguided and uh, not entirely funny at all times um so i had to find ways to take that impression of gary and 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 morph it into something that i think you might find more amusing more uh sad and and uh and look for the emotion there as well um but yeah we, we've known cage has had some comedy chops in there the whole time of course but it has been a while since he's really done like a real comedy uh he's definitely yeah. he's definitely done movies that have like a comedic bent to them right like uh well, like we just had a doggy dog, which was a very dark comedy, and we had the trust. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was like going through like the old, you know, the files, and I was like, man, like when was the last time he did like just a broad comedy like this? And I think it was Trapped in Paradise. I think that was the movie, or was it like, the last time we had like a really broad <laughs> cage shit. comedy back in '94 with uh, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey? I think that was the last one, and that was really bad. This, this one's better than that movie uh, for sure. But yeah, uh, but C- Cage is 
great in this movie. I think he fully, yeah. like, 100% commits to this character, never drops it below 11, like we said before, the entire film. Uh, I, I feel like he was channeling Robin Williams in a lot of his performance. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of George Carlin in there, too, I think. And, and then just part of, I don't even know what, just Cage being Cage, I guess. But, you know, what I like is that it's Nick Cage acting crazy, but it's a different kind of crazy than we've seen from him in the past. Like, this isn't the exaggerated, over-the-top stuff uh, like Vampire's Kiss or the weird line readings or the constant screaming. Like, this feels like this movie breaks new ground in terms of crazy Cage performances. And I think that's remarkable that we can still have that uh, 78 movies into this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, and it's also the only one... Well, okay, not only one. But it's one of the few, like, directly based on a real human. (laughs) Yes, uh, and actually, and, and, and it's this kind of role exactly. And Cage, uh, I was I was listening to an interview with Cage uh, before uh, we started recording this, and he was saying that like you know he actually talked to Gary Faulkner. Um, he talked to him for like a three, like he interviewed him for like three or four hours, and like everything that Cage brings to this performance, that's how Gary Faulkner is in real life. He was saying that. <laughs> Gary Faulkner just didn't stop talking like the entire time that he was interviewing <laughs> interviewing him and that kind wow. of thing and all that stuff. So, and I'm sure the voice that he affected from this is probably based on Gary Faulkner's real voice as well. I mean, they play a couple of clips from, of, from Gary Faulkner's like interviews and stuff at the very end of this movie, and there's a little bit of that voice uh, in those clips too. Yeah. For sure. Just imagine Cage doing what him and Travolta did and just like locking themselves in a cabin for three <laughs> weeks or whatever. <laughs> Just Cage and Faulkner out there. Yeah, Cage. and by the end of it, Cage really believes that he's on a mission to uh, <laughs> yeah. kill Osama Bin Laden. Exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, what I love about this movie, too, it's like, you know, you hear the, the phrase, like, Nicolas Cage travels to Pakistan alone with a samurai sword to fight Osama Bin Laden, and that's the kind of thing where you're like, oh, we're just making movies about Nick Cage's life now? Or, like, what... <laughs> We ran out of ideas, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this is a documentary, right? Uh, and I love that, you know, even though this could easily be a caricature, I think Cage actually turns Faulkner into a real human being, too. You know, I, I think he's... Uh, it sounds like you don't agree with that necessarily, With by the way you're rolling your eyes at me. But, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think if you watch his face um, when he finds out on the news that bin Laden has been killed, when he's watching Obama's speech about bin Laden, bin Laden being uh, killed... Uh, Cage is given like a really nuanced performance there, where he's going through like you know fifteen different emotions that are just going through his face, that kind of thing. Like the like the kind of denial thing, the kind of like I don't want to believe this, but like you know there's like tears in his face a little bit when that's going on. Yeah, uh, and then ultimately just shutting it all down and being like, well, it's a lie. They're trying to cover up and just completely shutting that like out entirely. Uh, and so I thought that was like a fascinating part of his uh, performance but you know just the way he interacts with the rest of the characters especially Wendy McLevin Covey and uh, the daughter or the niece I guess because the way it's established in the movie is that uh, she's her sister's daughter and her sister like OD'd or something so she's taking care of the daughter now yeah so I I think the way like I think Cage takes this very cartoonish character and turns him into something uh, that feels more human as a result and the movie I think is better as, as a result because of that yeah, I mean, I get it. I can see that. I think, but I think you pointing to that uh, that scene at the very end when, when uh, he's watching the uh, news broadcast about them killing Osama bin Laden, uh, I can see that because before that, uh, my, I was kind of like shaking my head a little bit because like that whole sequence when he's in Pakistan, he's still just like caricature. Oh yeah, he's insane. Like, like he- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like getting into like the uh, like born identity style uh, rooftop chase. Uh, <laughs> that was maybe my favorite sequence of the movie, actually. That was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though and that the was motorcycle the- chase and stuff. Yeah. Even though that was in like the second half of the movie, which we already said was like not as good as the first, like that. Like that whole sequence was amazing. Just, just Cage getting under rooftops and like he's like chasing and he's running after and he's just falling through shit like the entire time. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's so good. 
Uh, now, Mike, what, how do you think this role fits into the roles that we've seen Nicolas Cage play in other movies? You know, honestly, well, so first off, the first, weirdly, this is going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, the one that jumped out to my mind, I should have wrote the movie down because I'm an idiot, but uh, <laughs> it's not the first, uh, like, Warrior of God, quote-unquote, uh, Cage performance we've seen with that movie with Ron Perlman. Is that Season of the Witch? Oh, Season of the Witch, yes. Yeah, where they're, like, on the Crusades and stuff. I don't know. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, just because there, there was a line at some point where F- Faulkner, he says, like, I'm sent, I'm sent uh, like, as a, as a warrior from God to whatever. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know, that's just jumped out where it's like, huh, that's like, or like on a holy mission, so per okay. se. Okay, interesting. Um, and the other one, too, uh, <laughs> um, there's a couple times, there's, a, there's a, another, I have a few more, um, there's a fourth wall break. Which reminded me of uh, in Deadfall, which this performance in general reminds me of. Yes, when he yells "Sam fucking Peckinpah" uh, <laughs> in Deadfall, which breaks the fourth wall in some weird way. And then one more too, "Dying of the Light," straight up. Oh yeah, like, I, I had that one too. <laughs> like especially there's that sequence uh, towards the end of this movie, or towards the end of the Pakistan sequence, I guess, or segment, or whatever you want to call it, uh, where it's like them. It's it's Faulkner and Osama bin Laden both hooked up to dialysis machines, like having this yes. kind of little bit of a philosophical qu- question quandary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is the scene from Dying of the Light where it's him and the terrorists, uh, like half dead, both of them uh, having the same conversation. Like, well, which side is really the evil one? Right. Um, so, wait a second. And then the, this one devolves into a samurai sword fight, yeah. uh, which is very different from Dying which of the Light. It is but... very different and much better as a result. Yes. Uh, it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. Nicolas Cage fights Osama bin Laden with a samurai sword. That's the kind of phrase that people use to joke about how ridiculous Nicolas Cage movies are. Um, yeah. But that actually happens That's... in this movie. It's, it's a thing that It happens. sounds like a Cards Against Humanities. Like, uh... Yes. <laughs> It's very much a Mad Libs, like, what do you think this Nicolas Cage movie will be about? And that's yeah. and that's what it is, uh, which is pretty great. Uh, yeah, I Had Dying in the Light also. It's a movie that centers on Cage, traveling to the Middle East on his own to take out a terrorist in hiding, for sure. Uh, yeah. I, also, I also mentioned World Trade Center. I saw Cage dealing with 9-11 one way, and this movie sees him dealing with it in a very different way. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the unhealthy version. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and, yeah, and you mentioned Deadfall, and if I had to describe Cage's performance in this movie, it's probably a mixture of Deadfall and G-Force, which is such a weird, a <laughs> weird a combination. Combo. Yeah. Uh, Holy and, shit. And, yeah, like I mentioned, last time we saw Cage doing this broad of a comedy, it was probably Trapped in Paradise, um, which, uh, like, I was thinking maybe The Weatherman, but that's, like, kind of a comedy, like, it's sort of a comedy drama, darkish, like, a weird, like, I, I feel like as, as far as, like, just really broad comedy goes, which I think this, yeah. this is what this movie is, uh, Trapped in Paradise is the one I would, like, kind of point to. Would you, I guess you wouldn't point to Matchstick Men? Uh, Matchstick Men, no, because that's more of like a crime comedy. Like it's like I have a very weird definition in my head of what a broad like a broad comedy is defined as. There are movies okay. with like comedic elements, and Matchstick Men I think is definitely comedic, um, but it's also like a crime thriller. You know, it, it's, yeah. You know, the end of that that's movie true. is like the end of that movie is not going for laughs. You know, it's <laughs> and that kind Got of it. thing. Got uh, it. So I, I would say Matchstick Men more of a crime thriller. I was even thinking adaptation, but even that has more dramatic elements to it too. Uh, <laughs> like I'm really thinking just like straight up like silly broad comedy. And Trapped in Paradise to me is like the last one that Nicholas Cage yeah. did, uh, which was uh, 22 years before this movie, so it had been a while. Now, are there any moments or scenes in the movie that stood out to you in uh, Army of One, Mike? Oh boy, are there! <laughs> <laughs> Lay it on. Um, 
Yeah, well, the first one, the one that I was like actually got me, got like a real good laugh out of me. Yeah, uh, is the scene. Well, the whole the whole um, set piece when he's walking around Home Depot, uh, talking people out of buying like appliances or like uh, home decor. Yeah. He's like, "Why would you buy a faucet from a maid in the country that had a drought and like all this stupid shit?" <laughs> um, but and that's also where he runs into um, his old crush from high school, right? Uh, Wendy McClendon-Covey. Yes, yes, that actress. <laughs> uh, Marcy and, in the movie. Uh, yes, Marcy. Uh, and she's like, oh, you know, if you can find me, we'll, like, we'll go out for ice cream. And he just says, they don't call me the psychic fucking wizard for nothing. <laughs> and, like, it got me so good. <laughs> yes, that was Amazing. pretty great. And then he shows up at her house with ice cream. And <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think that when the movie just starts, when the movie begins, and literally the first thing you see in the movie is Nicolas Cage hang gliding into Pakistan in a red, white, and blue glider yes. <laughs> while swinging his samurai sword in the air. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like, that's all you need. Like, Let's mo- go, baby. The movie could end right now, and I'd be 100% satisfied with this. <laughs> like, yes. we could, I could definitely talk about that moment for an entire 40-minute podcast, and that'd be great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was a, that, like just that image alone. I was like, all right, army of one, you got me. I'm in. Uh, and then after that, like immediately after you see Cage, like you get introduced to the character and you see Cage on his dialysis machine ranting about how great America is and how inferior other countries are and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny and Cage is giving his all. And in the back of my mind, I was like, man, this is, this is going to be the whole movie, isn't it? Like I, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was watching that and I was like, you know, I feel like this might get old if it, if it's just this the entire time. And Unfortunately, it was just that the entire time. But like while it lasted, it was a just, just man, it's a sight to behold. Cage in this in this role, it really is. Like yeah. I, I think this is like a top five crazy Cage performance. I'm not going to say it's one of his best performances, but as far as crazy Cage performances go, this is up there for the whole runtime. It's just this, yes, which is wild. <laughs> exactly. Like even in Deadfall, he's only in it for like 40 minutes. You know, uh, yeah. And you know he's going insane in that movie. I, I feel like the only real comparison is Vampire's Kiss. Uh, which is another one that where it's like basically hidden the whole time, but even that like cuts away from Cage and it shows you what Alba's doing and stuff like that, right? Right. Uh, this movie, it's just Cage the entire time, just on a, like I, I don't understand how he was able to pull it off, honestly. Like, just, <laughs> like I, I feel like it, like you know, we talked about Cage. Not Cage, I, I would say, is not like a Dan Day Lewis level method actor where he's like stays in character for months at a time or whatever to prepare. But I, I don't know how you could do this role without being one. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like you have to really put yourself in the mind space of Gary Faulkner in order to get the performance that Cage is giving in this movie. Um, and who and who knows how much time he had to prepare for this, considering, you know, how frequently Cage makes movies these days. I mean, he came out with three other movies in 2016 alone. Uh, <laughs> he had another movie come out the same day. The same day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so uh, I'm just so incredibly impressed with Cage's performance in this movie. Uh, I, and I, I wanted to, you know, single out the scenes where uh, Cage is talking to Russell Brand as God. Those are pretty funny. Uh, yes. and I especially do like when, uh, Russell Brand just keeps popping around and possessing other people, um, during, during, like, and that, that first sequence, especially when, um, you know, he's at, he's at the dialysis center and like, it, he shows up in like, you know, Cage's chair and then he's over on the TV screen and then like the nurse is talking to him but it's Russell Brand's voice coming out and then it's, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I thought that was like a really fun, like, kind of clever way to play around with the idea that like yeah Russell Brand is God and he's just like fucking around with this guy hey, hey, hey. oh my god get in the truck Gary yes my lord where are you going Gary I don't know you don't even know where you're going do you you're just wandering around 
aimlessly, no particular direction, no better than a paramecium. A what? Paramecium, Gary, it's a single cellular life form that I created some time ago. I was pretty proud of it back then, still around to this day, because Noah, in his infinite wisdom, chose to put it on the Ark, along with syphilis and gonorrhea. You're all-knowing, right? Yeah, I am all-knowing. Well, yeah. Why don't you help me? I mean, just like a, a trap, help a hint. There's no hints, Gary. This is not a treasure hunt or a quiz show. You've got freedom of choice, freedom of thought. Do you know how beautiful that is? You, I mean, I know every thought before you think it, and let me tell you, a lot of the thoughts you've got coming up are pretty f***ing stupid. I am God. I am the question and the answer. Yes, my lord. Sorry, lord, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just lost. You got any idea how many times I hear that every day? I'm lost, then I was found, I'm blind, now I can see I'm tired of that lost shepherd, lost sheep. Yes, Lord. Don't yes, Lord me. Yes, Lord. I said don't say that. Yes, Lord. Gary. Yes, Lord. What? No, Lord. Are you saying no to me, Gary? No. I'm doing too much to worry about this. I've got 14 trillion things to deal with right now. I'm doing a million things in this moment. I'm dealing with Hezbollah, Ebola, some guy called Obama, Coca-Cola. I've got a lot of sh to deal with. Do you understand me? But I just want you to be happy. Well, then, Gary, try this. I help those... That help themselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the movie pretty strongly implies that um, God isn't actually talking to Cage, but it's actually just like a dialysis hallucination. <laughs> right. Um, which I thought was pretty great. Uh, and I'm, cu I'm curious, like, I'm curious if Gary Faulkner himself watched this movie and was like, yeah, I come off great in this or what? <laughs> I don't, I think he must have, like, especially because of that, like, uh, like he must have approved of it in some fashion because, right. like, the fourth wall scene or break kind of thing. Right. Uh, where he's like, you know, and then I shot like after he's come back from Pakistan, I think. Yes. And he's like, you know, we're shopping around. There's interest in for making a movie, and then they they suggested Nick Cage, and I think I look a lot like that guy, yeah. Nick Cage, and Con Air. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, that must have been a real thing he said. It must, <laughs> it must have been. That was, I mean, that was a great meta joke at the end of the movie. Just, yeah. I, lo I love the like the way that joke is constructed too. It's like you know, it's Nick Cage talking directly into the camera, and it's like, yeah, so we wanted to make a movie, and they were like, who do you want to play? You can do Clint Eastwood, Dan Aykroyd, and I was like. And, and like just that alone, I was like, "What? What kind of role out there is yeah. is what kind of role is there out there in which you could give it? You can offer it to Clint Eastwood or Dan Aykroyd, and it's the same right. role." Like, <laughs> uh, and then he's like, "Oh, you know, I look a little like. Don't you think I look a little bit like Nick Cage and Con Air? I could pull that off. Like, get Nick Cage. Like, and, yeah, and yeah, that was that was a pretty great like fourth wall like, meta commentary, and that was great. But then at the very end of the movie, they even like had a little inscription that says like." Uh, Gary wants to use the funds from the making of this movie to continue his mission in Pakistan or something like that, which yeah. uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's uh, it wouldn't surprise me because he seems genuinely insane. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, so and it also seems like I, I was thinking, I guess probably because uh, Paul Shear is in this, uh, a lot like a Disaster Artist, um, just like in that it's like it's the, the How Did This Get Made movie okay, <laughs> for that <yeah>. one. Um <laughs> Where, like, Tommy Wiseau and, like, those guys from The Room were, like, involved uh, in the making of that movie. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. That's just a weird thing I was thinking about yeah, <laughs> in the context of this weird meta joke thing. Right. Was Disaster were they involved with Disaster I feel like Tommy Wiseau was, like, like, they approved of it being made, but I feel like they consciously didn't have Tommy oh. Wiseau part of it. Like, he makes a cameo at the very end. I remember that. But that I, might be what I might be conflating that because he yeah. like and then he was all involved in the press store stuff. Yes, I remember um, that. And he showed up at like, the Golden Globes with them when they uh, like, yeah. won the Golden Globe and stuff like that. But I remember I think outside of just being based on Greg Sestero's book, I don't think they actually had that much in, like with the involvement of. The oh, movie. okay. 
But uh, but yeah. Any, anyway. Anyway. I, I think as far as Gary Faulkner goes, like I don't know if you would want him on set that much because he seems insane. So no. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but as far as Gary Faulkner goes, I, I know that Cage talked to him for like a few hours, and they, there was like a set video with him talking to Gary Faulkner and stuff like that. So he was definitely involved in some capacity, but I think a very limited capacity, like basically just to like give them the rights to make this movie. Essentially, yeah, uh, would That's be my fair. guess. Uh, other stuff that I loved in the movie, uh, I, I actually, I really liked, I mean, I, I liked his relationship with Marcy and her disabled niece. I thought that was, like, genuinely kind of sweet. Um, yeah. Even though that starts off, like, with that really weird joke, like, you mentioned the, uh, or, yeah, I don't think you've mentioned the joke, but when they first shows up, and he's like, oh, I, I used to have such a crush on you in high school, I must have went through, like, a hundred bucks to Kleenex or something, and, like, <laughs> yeah. and it's, like, a really gross joke, um, but then, like, you know, Marcy kind of reacts to it, it's like, well... That's disgusting, but I'll take it and like just keep <laughs> keep moving. Yeah. Uh, but like, after that, like the they're like obviously Cage is an oddball character, but their relationship is genuinely kind of sweet, uh, and he's like really good with the niece and stuff like that. Like she loves him, and you know all that stuff. And I think that makes his delusions all the more like sort of tragic uh, as yeah. far as that goes. But I uh, speaking of that, like, I really like the scene where Marcy is tossing origins as he's slicing up with the samurai sword. Um, <laughs> yes. where, he, where he's just like explaining his mission and she's just like casually tossing oranges he's going phew, phew. and he's like yeah so I'm just going to sail to Pakistan do that thing and all that stuff uh, and and then like you know she tests out the samurai sword for herself and like he tosses one and she slices it and she's like whoa I see why you like this and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like that was I thought a pretty funny uh, a pretty funny touch to that scene but uh, yeah the scene where Cage tries to sail to Pakistan uh, that, that was <laughs> pretty amazing uh just ends up in mexico and then like what just like when he comes back it's like all right so not knowing how to sail turned out to be a bigger roadblock than i thought and like just keeps going like (laughs) i I love the way cage plays the character where he's just like so unyieldingly confident in everything he does even though he's terrible at everything kind of thing yeah (laughs) which which again feels like such a like such a weird commentary on america in 2016 like when this movie came came out kind of thing yeah, there's this scene uh, too, uh, sort of to the same point where he when he buys the hang glider, and uh, he asks the guy, he's like, "So it comes apart, right?" And I could like stuff it in my suitcase, and the guy's like, "No, definitely not. It's all one piece. Like it's specifically designed to be aerodynamic." And then it smash cuts to him sawing it apart. Yeah, he, he says like, "Son, don't tell me what to do. I'm Gary fucking Faulkner or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Donkey King. I think is what he says." <laughs> Uh, and yeah, then it cuts to him cutting away, <laughs> cutting the hang glider in pieces, and then it shows him like ha- his plan was to hang glide from Israel into Pakistan. Uh, <laughs> and then he like you know jumps off the cliff with the hang glider, and he flies for like a second and just immediately falls and breaks yeah. his legs, and it's it's pretty great. And I I love Wendy McClendon's Covey line reading where she's like a, a cage like oh, I'm just as crippled as uh, the daughter or whatever her name was. Like I'm just I'm just as crippled as her. And he's like well. No, she has ALS, and you uh, willingly jumped off a cliff by yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not really the same thing. It's like, all right, I withdraw my comment. Like, <laughs> also loved a uh, movie buff FBI agent Rain Wilson. <laughs> yes, that was a really fun touch in the movie. I thought where he's just like everyone. There's like the one scene where, um, like, where they when they when they first show up, the FBI agents and the other one, um, the African American Horror Story, is talking, and he's like, "Some kind of American ninja is going through Pakistan," and it's like, "No, American Ninja was a movie from 1985. He's more, <laughs> yeah. he's more of an American samurai." <laughs> uh, and then they have that bit about James Bond, like, "Oh, Living Daylights is on Timothy Dalton, best Bond man." <laughs> yeah, it's like, "What? No, he's not." And it's like, what, what, "Who's yours, Sean Connery?" Like, that's the, <laughs> like that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I like, I, I wish I could have seen more of like Rain Wilson just like criticizing people's movie choices. That was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was your self-insert for the yeah, movie. exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I thought those guys were actually very funny. Um, 
especially at the end when they're in the hospital with Cage after he mm. wakes up from his the hallucination or whatever. And they just have this weird exchange where he's like, you let him go. Cage thinks they let Osama bin Laden go. And right. they're just like fighting on the hospital bed. <laughs> it's just fun. It's goofy. It was yeah. Fun. It's, it's very fun. Um, also, Cage trying to take his samurai sword through customs, I thought was a, <laughs> was very funny the entire time. Just every, every, like every time it happens. like Yeah. Because she's like, no, but I got to go to complete my mission. And I am, what's your mission again? I'm going to capture Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then when he finally reaches Pakistan after he finally flies in uh, and he just has that like you know some like the Pakistani guards like okay and what's your reason for your business or what's your what's your reason for your visit and K just kind of has this like goofy smile and is just like <laughs> taking care of business and yeah. <laughs> and kind of like saunters away and like <laughs> and just the way he says it and like the way his face looks when that's happening it's just it's priceless it's so good yeah, and that's that's unfortunately where it starts to lose some steam. Like, I think that, that first day in Pakistan is very fun, when he's going to all the vendors, and he's like, you gotta talk to the meat. Yes. Uh, and, like, that's bizarre <laughs> and weird, and, and yeah. it goes to, like, the blacksmith guy sharpening knives, uh, and he kind of tries to do the, like, this is a knife scene, and right. the guy gets, like, no reaction. Um, yeah. That stuff is fun, and then he's in Pakistan for a while, and I was kind of like, eh. Then it started to drop off, unfortunately. Yeah, once once he's there for like a long time, I think it's like at least eight days that he's in Pakistan, and like yeah, you know, once once you're past day one, it gets it becomes a lot more hit and miss. And there's still good stuff in there, uh, for sure. I did like his cab his cab ride with the the Pakistani uh, cab driver and the one guys, and he's like, oh, what do you think of Pakistan? It's like, oh, Pakistan's great, my like my favorite place. And Nick says like, oh, well, America's my favorite place, so I guess we're even. <laughs> and like, <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of stuff and the cab driver's like oh yeah no I love America too and that kind of thing and they kind of like bond over it a little bit and it's like it's you know it's a, it's a weird case because Cage is like playing a dude who is like insane like xenophobic and weird and like it's not even that he's racist but he's like patriotically racist in a weird like it's yeah you know in that weird way but it's like he gets along with everybody is the thing yeah, uh, which is like also odd, but yeah, it's it's a it's a weird character that he creates, and it's it walks a very fine line, I think, but it ultimately succeeds in that. Um, but uh, yeah, all that stuff. Also, I just wanted to give a shout out to Al Qaeda Cribs because I did I did enjoy that gag. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about quite that. It uh, uh, was actually really funny. Which was like Cage uh, having like weird dialysis, hallucination, or nightmare or something, and like he's <laughs> watching TV, and suddenly uh, Cribs comes on, and it's Osama bin Laden is <laughs> showing off his mansion and stuff like that, and showing off his posse, and that was pretty great. Uh, I liked too. Uh, I guess let's give it more of a rundown of the uh, the born identity or born oh, yeah. <laughs> ultimatum uh, <laughs> ripoff they do in the middle of this movie or at the end of this movie. Yes, uh, where it's him and, and the the security guard for the hotel are like hugging on his way out or something like that. And, right. Uh, some random guy shoots the security guard. Yes. Which the voiceover tells us was later determined to be like a marital dispute. <laughs> right. Something. Had nothing to do with uh, anything, but Cage just automatically assumes this guy's working for Osama bin Laden and he's running after him. He's like part of Al Qaeda kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes up on the rooftops and he's got this big chase and he's falling through all the the over the awnings and the, the everything and he steals a motorcycle and rides it through a market and yes. hits all the fruit carts and like all this stuff. <laughs> And yes. he ends up in a car, and he ends up with his taxi friend, and he's like, follow that motorcycle. And the guy's like, oh, just like the movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's great. It's yes, so it's fun. great. And yeah, and, and Cage is hurting himself the entire time he's doing it, which is <laughs> yeah. also the best. Like, he's you know, falling through an awning, and he just, like, completely slams on his knees, and it's like, oh, God, and, like, just keeps <laughs> yeah. running. And it's, it's great. That whole sequence is is perfect. It's so good. 
Um, but yeah, any, anyway, other uh, other scenes or stuff you wanted to kind of throw out there in the movie, Mike, or should that, uh, does that kind of wrap things up for you? Um, I think that kind of wraps things up. We, okay. We've kind of hit on all the, the highlights, I all think. The, all the major beats, I think, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's, yeah, Army of One. And uh, it sounds like, you know, it's weird because I feel like at the top of this episode we were like, yeah, so we enjoyed it, but maybe, like, it kind of loses some steam. But then after after that point we were like, we just kept mentioning funny scenes in the movie. So maybe we liked it more than we thought. <laughs> um, I guess it's just like... But those are all the good parts, and we've talked about them in 40 minutes, and this movie, I think, is at it, least 90, right? It's, a, it's 93 minutes, uh, which, yeah. I, and it's weird, because it's 93 minutes, and I saw that runtime, and I was like, oh, great, short runtime, that's great, because, you know, when we got to, when we did something like USS Indianapolis, that movie's like two hours and ten minutes, and I was like, right. but, <laughs> but, you know, with the 93-minute runtime, I was like, all right, we'll get in and out, like a funny yuck-yuck cage comedy or whatever, uh, and then by, like, the 45-minute mark, I was like, man, this should be over soon, right? Like, this yeah. has to, like, be wrap it up uh but yeah so it's weird because it feels long at 93 minutes um Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate but that's partially because the movie just leans so hard on cage's performance which is excellent um but it doesn't really have that much going for it outside of that performance uh which is a shame yeah Uh, oh there is um actually one more scene just if we're gonna hit all of the very funny parts yeah uh the scene when will sasso shows up for the first time when cage is at the bar oh yes and he he gets in the like argument with the marine or retired (laughs) marine and he's like well i'll tell you what let's uh throw this knife at that dartboard and whoever gets closest to the bullseye gets buys around yes (laughs) cage throws it and hits will sasso for some reason (laughs) yeah yeah, he like uh, completely stabs Will Sasso, like, and it meant, the, the voiceover mentions that uh, you know he missed his tendons, and also this is like the fourth time it's happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're botching up the plan to get Bin Laden. Look, I know I'm a Leo, but it's easier for a mouse to get into a castle than it is for a lion. I'd go in there and I boost that fucker right out from underneath their noses. Hey, buddy. You think you could do a better job over there? Is that what you're saying? You're a Marine. I am a Marine. Well, that's awesome. Listen, I really appreciate what you boys are doing over there, and I understand the price of freedom, the sacrifice, but look, you, you got your program, and I got mine. That's all. But l- l- let me buy you a drink. What, what do you have? What are you going to pay for that with? Your unemployment check? Oh. <laughs> Gary. Gary. <sighs> Quick contest, Semper Fi. Let's throw this knife across the room over to that dartboard. You get closest to the bullseye. I'll buy everyone in this bar a drink. Okay? I get closest, you buy me a drink, and you apologize for being a dick. (laughs) Yeah, you're on. (laughs) Pretty good. Sometimes when people get close to the bullseye, they get a little cocky. Sure hope that isn't going to be your problem. Yeah. Knife of kings. Oh! Ah! God damn it! Gary, not again! The blade missed most of Roy's tendons, and like the previous three times, he was soon back at the bar with little more than a bruised eagle. Uh- but yes, that was a pretty funny scene, too. Again, there are a lot of very funny scenes in the movie, a lot of funny supporting turns. Uh, Russell Brand, again, as God, pretty solid. Uh, yeah. And I enjoyed Paul Shear and Will Sasso as Cage's friends as well. Rain Wilson as the FBI dude. Uh, Wendell Clinton Covey is cool, too. Uh, it's just the movie runs out of steam at, like, the 45-minute mark uh, because yeah. it's really just leaning so hard on the Cage performance uh, when it could have, like, cut away, did some other things there, too. But... I enjoyed my time for the most part. I had a fun time with the movie. It's funny enough to warrant a recommendation, I think. 
uh, it's just like one of those things where it's like be be aware that like by the hour or so mark you're gonna be like all right um, I, I think I've gotten all I can out of this movie at this, at this point yeah but then you're gonna miss the great meta joke at the end with Nick Cage uh, recommending that Nick Cage play Gary Faulkner in content <laughs> <laughs> so so there's that too. Uh, all right, let's move on to some letterbox reviews for Army of One. Mike got a few ones here. Uh, here's a three and a half star review of Army of One, which reads like this: uh, I used to be pissed about the fact that Nick Cage hasn't been in anything good the last ten or so years, but fucking by God, if he wants to do shit like this until eternity, let him. <laughs> wow. He will never stop being fantastic at anything he puts his mind to. He elevates all shit material flung his way, and I love it. The only consistently entertaining Coppola out there. Few people have brought joy to the world like this man right here. Never stop being Cage, Cage. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, here's a three-star review, which was published uh, right before the 2016 election. Like, right as the movie came out, I guess. Uh, might be a film about a lovely, oblivious Nick Cage character finding his purpose in the world amidst a midlife crisis. Or it's a film, a commentary, question mark, about an overly patriotic, weapon-loving, crazy man with power from publicity who claims he's on a mission from God to end terrorism with his own hands. Uh, don't, don't forget to vote in a few days, everybody. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, here's a four-star review of Army of One, uh, which reads, When this wretched year of our Lord 2016 mercifully comes to a close later this month, I truly believe one scene from a film will stand head and shoulders above the rest. Nicholas Kim Coppola Cage, fully engorged in fear and stupidity, jolting up from his hotel bed and flailing a samurai sword at a Pakistani prayer buzzer while screaming, Try it, motherfucker! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Larry Charles. I needed a good laugh today. Larry Charles has led me to believe, probably not falsely, that this is how the rest of the world sees us now, as an incensed, ponytailed, cartoon-voiced, aging Con Air Cage... (laughs) Fumbling around in the dark with some high-grade hash in one hand and a samurai sword in the other. (laughs) A hapless yet dangerous toddler man who God has told to forever sail to foreign lands to write injustices and bring back cheap trinket souvenirs to his children. (laughs) King donkeys in the sky. God help us. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty impassioned defense of this movie, and I was not prepared for it. (laughs) (laughs) Makes you reconsider some of the stuff about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's a four-star review of Army of One, which reads, uh, Nicolas Cage is the greatest actor of all time. No way this would even be remotely good or watchable slash tolerable if he wasn't in this. The story is barely interesting, and I hate Russell Brand, but Cage is amazing in this movie. Also, Nick Cage as Gary Faulkner, referencing Nick Cage, the actor, as Cameron Poe in Con Air. That's cinema. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, got one more. It's a a three-and-a-half-star review of Army of One, which reads, any movie that opens with Nicolas Cage hang gliding across Pakistan, brandishing a katana in his free hand while screaming through a pair of American flag pattern sunglasses should be entered into the National Film Registry. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not disagree with that uh, with that sentiment, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that one's fair. Yeah, definitely. So Army of One, uh, it's solid. It's a fun time. There's definitely a lot of laughs to be had in it. Kind of runs out of steam, but overall I would say we enjoyed it, right, Mike? Um, I guess I come down. I still feel pretty negative about it after all this. Really? Um, yeah. I don't know if I would go so far as to recommend it personally for me. Just kind of like, okay, I guess. All right. You know? Yeah. I mean, okay, I guess is kind of where I come down on it too. But the scenes that made me laugh really made me laugh. Okay. Um, so there is that. But yeah, Army of One, I think it's an interesting movie and it's a great Nicolas Cage performance. Uh, so there is that too and that's what this podcast is really all about anyway that's true you're right uh, anyway so uh yeah that's army of one and uh that about wraps up the, this week's episode of complete works mike where can we find you online this week 
You can find me at MDFilmBlog on Twitter and uh, MDFilmBlog on Letterboxd as well. And you can find me at uh, MSmithFilmBlog on Twitter and Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd. Uh, thank you so much for listening to The Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. If you are listening on iTunes or even if you're not, make sure to rate and review us. Uh, five stars would be great. And tell people you know about the show if you can. And, of course, you can always find us at Rapture.Press alongside such other, other shows as uh, The Review Zoo and... Badass Biz Bitches. Badass Biz Bitches is the name of the other show. Cool stuff over there at Rapture.Press. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can do so by emailing NicholasCageCompleteWorks at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, on the next Complete Works, this is very exciting, Mike, Nicholas Cage uh, kind of, sort of, makes a sequel to Deadfall uh, with 2017's Arsenal. We finally made it to Arsenal? We finally made it to Arsenal. I won a Blu-ray copy of Arsenal uh, like two years ago from some film website. Uh, like when the movie <laughs> came out. Uh, I, like they were giving away, they had an Arsenal Blu-ray giveaway. I must have been the only one who entered the contest, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, I own Arsenal on Blu-ray. have not watched it yet. I was saving it for this episode. Uh, so pretty excited about that. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> so that's coming in two weeks. Plus, keep an eye out for the next Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, uh, which I think, we, as we've discussed, will probably be a double review of Spider-Man Far From Home, which comes out tomorrow, uh, as of this recording, and Midsummer, which comes out in two days, as of this recording. Uh, so very excited for both those movies, especially Midsummer, which uh, yeah. is the new movie from director Ari Aster, who directed Hereditary, which was both of our favorite movie of last year. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of hype going into Midsummer, at least for me, and I'm I'm very excited to see how he follows up Hereditary, which I like. I still have not gone back and rewatched yet because it's such an intense watch. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things I, I really do want to rewatch soon, especially now that Midsummer's out. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid for my life for Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Hereditary like broke you. Like you, you st- still. <laughs> t- I almost think about that movie every day. Still. Yes. Like. <laughs> It's been a year almost. Yeah. Oh no, I think it has been a year now. So, we, so we might. So yeah, it's just it, that came out in June 2018. So it's just it's been just about a year. Uh, yeah. So luckily we have Midsummer on this review, but we're also going to have Spider Man. So you know, <laughs> you know, the fun family movie. So so you know, we'll have our spirits crushed and destroyed by Midsummer, but then we get to you know have some fun with Spider Man. So there's that, yeah. So there's that too. Uh, and, I'm, that. and I'm hearing great things about that too. I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing Jake Gyllenhaal ride around as Mysterio who is one of my favorite Spidey villains, so can't wait for that. Uh, All right, thanks so much for listening, guys, and thanks for getting in the cage.